What's your name, scumbag? Jesse Spector is... Ovechkin, Alex, is that his name? Harry Carey. Wayne Gretzky! Moses! No! No! Please, please, don't make a fuss. Jesse Spector is on Lightning Power Play. You're right to me. Welcome to the UC Jokinen Show. I'm Jesse Spector, filling in for UC Jokinen, who is on assignment playing for Karpot of the SM Liga. First place in Finland right now, uh, Karpot with, with UC Jokinen. Not having his... Uh, he's not the star of that team, but he is still playing a, a role there and uh, doing his thing. So that's what he's doing. What we're doing here is uh, talking to Sean Shapiro, welcoming him back to the show from The Athletic in Dallas. Sean, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How about you today? I'm good. Uh, so it's been a, a busy week for you, coming off of uh, the holiday break. Uh, first the Winter Classic, and then uh, Friday afternoon, right before we were set to record this show, uh, Jim Montgomery comes out with a statement, uh, finally explaining uh, everything that went down there, and that he's uh, he's checking into it in an inpatient rehab. Um, was there any hint of this at all, or is this a total surprise? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because it's, as, as you and I are talking right now, it's been about an hour since this statement came out in the first place, and um, I personally, I, I do believe there's there's more to this story, unfortunately, because um, obviously Jim Montgomery had a, had a problem, and he put him, and he recognized there's a problem, and he's obviously fixing those things. He's, he's working to fix those things, obviously, with with this decision, but it's kind of, uh, there, there's still the type of thing that kind of still leads to some more questions than answers at this point, really. Um, because I don't know the full, I don't, I'm not well versed in legalese and HR, so I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what it means. But if someone's just an alcoholic, I don't think you can just fire them and void two and a half years of their contract for being an alcoholic. So unfortunately, I think this is just kind of the, the tip of, everything unfortunately now i'm not saying i know what everything is but i just think there is um i'm very happy jim montgomery is getting help but i just i I have a hard time believing the stars could fire him just for drinking too much i think if for example um and, and, and i have a hard time believing that there would be uh no legal ramifications for just firing someone for being alcoholic i believe someone's an employee and they get help you're supposed to help them so and obviously the stars are not doing this this is all an individual thing so i think there's more to this and obviously whatever it happened is still we still may never know but it's good to know that someone who has a problem is getting some help i think yeah that is the most important thing is that he's going to get the help that he needs and and that he's you know he's going to get that taken care of um it does yeah like you said it, it raises that question because i i can't think of a, a coach where this has happened but my mind immediately goes to cc sabathia leaving the yankees right on the eve of the playoffs to check himself into rehab um whereas you know this it 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 would suggest to you just logically that there was some kind of workplace incident that precipitated there's some yeah yeah, yeah, there's yeah there's there's something else it's the type of thing where there there is something else because um 
you also, as the Dallas Stars, if you're just as an organization, say someone else in your office, whether it's a ticket sales guy, it could be anyone, if they're an alcoholic and they want help, and you can't be firing people just because they want to get help. If you say just, if, that's kind of a, a very loose example, but that's where my head goes on this: is there has to be a bit more for it to be the street uncut firing like there was that quickly. Whether it was a number of strikes reached or something like that, maybe that maybe that was involved as well. But the interesting thing, kind of also, is so far the only statement from Stars GM Jim Nill on this is we support Jim and. We, we uh, hope that he and his family are able to go through this. We're not going to say more. Um, Jim Nill never says we fired him because he's an alcoholic. So while Jim Montgomery admits he had a problem and admits he had a problem and he's working to fix it, the stars have never said that is the reason they fired him, which is an interesting disconnect. Yeah, it, it definitely is. He hints in his statement that, that it's, you know, in the framework of why he was fired is that it was related to yes. that. Uh, that is certainly how that's... Yeah, I believe... Right. No, I, 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 I 100% believe whatever led to the actual firing, there was there was drinks involved in some capacity, yeah. but obviously um, I think there's... I'm, it, I'm, I still think there's more to the overall story. Uh, and uh, that's... I, mean, I just... But as we kind of touched on, and I think just kind of the biggest takeaway from today, right now at least, is it's it's good that someone is getting help with something that is, I, I know, uh, not personally, but I know some people close to me who have dealt with similar things. And mm-hmm. I, I know it's good that this is the type of thing that if someone needs help and they're getting help, um, that can be that can be a lifesaver. So. Yeah, absolutely. Is it is it strange? I mean, it, it strikes me as strange, but that so little has even leaked out about the the details that of, of why he was fired and, and that this was not... Not even a mutual parting of the ways. It was a straight-up firing. Yeah, I, I, it is. It is somewhat strange, and I think kind of that's the uh, and that's the other reason the statement that comes out today still kind of leaves a lot to be desired for those people who want those real answers. I'm sure all of the people who I'm sure all of the people who uh, have been complaining have been saying, "Oh, what did Jim Montgomery do? What did he do? I want to know what he did." After they get this statement, this doesn't tell you what he did to get fired. So mm-hmm. it's it's still, um, I, I think I, I really I truly believe um, that the number of people in this world that actually know what happened, um, whatever it was, whether it was the incident or the buildup of things, I truly believe that that number of people that actually know is a very small group, it's probably Jim Montgomery, Stars Jim, Jim Mill, Stars Legal Counsel that was conferred on this, some of the other executives that you have to run this by and things like that, but this was very much kept under wraps um, from everyone else in the offices and everything like that, so I think it's, it's a bizarre situation that more finite details haven't come out, but I also think it's it's something that makes sense when you look at the genesis of the amount of people that actually know and the people who would have any motivation for letting it get out they have no reason for the real story to get out obviously jim montgomery wants to get back to being an nhl coach someday i think that's something that no one can deny and if him if it's his fight with alcoholism becomes the story of why he got fired and he can overcome that 
he has a better chance of uh, becoming an NHL coach someday. And if there's something else he doesn't need to put out there, then he doesn't need to. And whoever, so it's it's very interesting to kind of see because there's. I know I'm rambling right now, but it's it's. Um, <laughs> that makes but sense. It's, it's, it's an odd situation. It's yeah. an odd situation still. Uh, meanwhile, on the ice, this is a Dallas mm-hmm. team that uh, the turnaround started when Montgomery was still there, and and that was why the firing was. You know, came as such a bolt out of the blue. I think if they had been fired in in late October, early November, uh, it would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. He's uh, yeah, he's fired for for the start that this team had. But they're on a one hundred point pace now. They're forty one games into the season. They've got fifty points. Uh, what what turned this around? First under Montgomery, and now under Rick Bonus. Yeah, it's uh, kind of the big thing that turned things around was. They started. They started opening up the offense. I bet. Now they don't. They still aren't the high scoring team, but they were so overly concerned about their defensive identity and doing the little things defensively and being tough to play against that they kind of over. They swung the pendulum too far and became so conservative offensively that they weren't really creating much chances of anything. And so, and then that maximized the mistakes on the defensive end. And so, it just kind of it was an over. They were overly worried about playing good defense, and then when a minor crack would happen, everything would kind of blow up. It was just kind of kind of like a stress ball, I guess, that kind of exploded. What happened was they started realizing, okay, we can we can take a couple more chances. We can do a little bit more offensively without losing our defensive identity. And then that took the pressure off of when you do make a defensive mistake, the world is an ending because we actually can score a goal here and then. So it, that's kind of a mentality that took that way. And I think also the players and the coaches got kind of got on the same page more. And um, I think it's something that we saw happen almost a second time because we saw, the, obviously, Jim Montgomery surprise firing. Um, first couple games of the Rick Bonus went okay. Then there was kind of uh, even when – Stars were in Tampa Bay, and they won a game that they should not have won, and Anton Hudobin stole it completely, um, where they kind of struggled, and they started looking like that again, but then they came out of the holiday break and kind of got everyone on the same page again. So I think it's kind of a little bit of that, just realizing that we can play hockey a little more freely. One mistake doesn't ruin everything, and everyone needs to be on the same page, um, which are real generalities, but when you take all of that and you kind of combine them and everything like that, it turns into, it makes every little mistake feel like the end of the world. And that's not the case anymore. And that's what had been happening in the first 10 games of the season. And that's what happened right before the holiday break, but then they quickly fixed it back. And after the holiday break is the, the reason that I wanted to have you on in the first place, which was to talk about Mm -hmm. the winter classic, which was, not it was a, a very poorly rated television wise winter classic, but for those that watch it, it was quite a show. Yeah, I mean, as, as far as obviously, so the TV ratings came out today, and the TV ratings were was not well watched, um, which isn't, isn't good news for fans and other non traditional markets. When since NBC obviously has a hand in picking the teams in these games, but um, I think as far as if you were there or you watched the game, it was a success. It was second largest crowd in NHL history, really good game. Um, you go through and you take a look at the kind of winter classics. This was the 12th one. This is probably up there with the top two or three 
Winter Classics. Uh, as far as just the game goes, it had a little bit of everything. Um, and, and I guess kind of the end of the day, the lasting legacy of this one is going to be how the NHL rates success, I think. Obviously, it is a success for the Stars. It was a success for the Nashville Predators. It's a success for the city of Dallas. TV rating-wise, it probably wasn't a success for NBC. And so I think at the end of the day, um, the NHL, how the NHL looks at this one is going to be the lasting legacy of this Winter Classic because was the success for the Stars and 86,000 people and and kind of the weirdness of it all, was it good? Was it, was it, was it, was it strong enough to say, hey, let's go do a Winter Classic and vegas someday or do one in, i know tampa would like love to do one at some point do, do one in tampa or do they overly look at the tv rating and say well we have to go back to chicago versus a team from chicago versus a northeastern team or chicago versus minnesota which uh... yes yes could be next year that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and minnesota having a nice little uh nice little Tiffle after uh, after Dallas got the Winter Classic first was a uh, a delightful thing that happened, but that's yeah. uh, neither here nor there. Um, that was mostly in the Twitterverse, but the Twitterverse also gave us uh, so many variations of Corey Perry's long walk uh, after he yes. was ejected from the Winter Classic. Did my favorite was the Curb Your Enthusiasm remix? Did you have a uh, a favorite uh, Corey Perry walk of shame? Uh... <laughs> The one from Kirby really good, actually. That's that's that that may that's that's probably up there. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I did see the uh, I did see one where someone took the music they've been playing for penalties at World Junior and put it over yeah. it, which, which is which that was also pretty good too. But the the current one might be the best one. That was, uh, that was has has Corey Perry weighed in on that? So it's it's interesting. I wrote this today. We did a kind of a roundtable of how long the suspension should be and everything mm-hmm. like that. And, I'm personally of the, we'll probably, by the time this goes up, um, I would imagine we'll probably have how long the suspension is, probably comes out sometime in the next two hours or so, but yeah. <laughs> I personally think it should, I think it should be five, I think it should be five games personally, um, just it's, now it's been seven years since he was last suspended, but it's the type of blindside, blindside head hit combination of the things where one alone each could be two games and you combine, so um he spoke after the game, and his tone and his words were resentful. Like, uh, he, he obviously, he, he not resentful, he showed rem- he was remorseful. Remorseful, yeah. uh, remorseful. Um, Then again, I also, when I, as I kind of wrote and I made this point today, he had about three and a half hours to pick his words and his tone as he sat in the locker room to try and go into damage control on this. Because um, while... What Corey Perry said is nice, and what he needed to say. I didn't mean to hurt the guy. It was unintentional. Yada yada yada. None of that. I mean, I don't know how many times you re- rehearsed that in the locker room. You could have been rehearsing in the locker room over and over again. Um, it just really, he was at a point where I think the only reason he probably even spoke to the media was, right, if I say the right thing now, maybe that uh, maybe a four-game suspension turns into three, or a three turns into or whatever, but at the end of the day, I, it doesn't matter what he meant to do. He threw a really dirty hit in the NHL's marquee game, and probably not Brian Ellis. Not, little my dogs. Um, <laughs> not Brian Ellis out show. for yeah, and, and knocked Ryan Ellis out for what looks like considerable time with a 
which was only announced as a upper body injury, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But either way, uh, I would I would think uh, Perry will be gone for. You know, it's the NHL wheel of justice, though, right? So yeah. we'll see how long he actually goes for. We're we're gonna go for just a short break. We'll be right back. With a little bit more Winter Classic talk and uh, and a whole lot more with Sean Shapiro from the Athletic in Dallas. You're listening to Jesse Specter is on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Jesse Specter is on Lightning Power Play. Joined today by Sean Shapiro from the Athletic in Dallas, and we're talking today uh, about a lot of things. We were talking about the Winter Classic before, uh, and and we'll, we will get back to it. But I wanted to talk first. Uh, about just how, Sean, how you got into being a hockey guy. So I, uh, I actually grew up in, uh, I grew up in New Jersey originally. Okay. And I was a, uh, I grew up as a, I grew up as a Devils fan as a kid growing up. I was, I was the, I would have been six years old and six years old in 95 when they won the, uh, when they, when they won their first Stanley Cup there. And, um, but it wasn't, I mean, I was a doubles fan, but it wasn't as, actually what really got me into hockey was there was, uh, it was street hockey where, where we lived in New Jersey. They had a summer wreck, um, like a summer wreck thing by the lake where there was like this, this basketball court, this caged in basketball court where there'd be like 45 kids running and we'd be playing street hockey and we'd be playing ball hockey, street hockey, like 22 on 22, like Indian style lacrosse where it's, it's chaos. There's one ball, like, and it was fun, but it was, uh, but obviously with how big the, uh, those two teams were, I wanted to actually play a more important role in the game. And so I, that's how I became, I became a goalie that way. I started playing street hockey goalie and, um, it was just something that kind of, uh, took from there. Eventually I, and because, and then being in New Jersey in the heyday of, uh, Martin Brodeur, I, it was easy to find a goalie a goalie to look up to as, as, as a hockey player and then you uh, and then just kind of led to that and I played ice hockey after that and so it just it's kind of all started with playing street hockey and it was fun but I wanted to I wanted I didn't want to be one of 22 kids on each side of the of chasing one ball I wanted a, a role that actually meant something so uh so I started playing playing goalie and that really just hooked it because from there, I started watching more hockey on TV to see how people played goalie and things like that, and it just kind of grew into a more kind of organically grew from there. And obviously, it helped that what what is it? What is what's it like? They say like sports is always the best when you're like 10 years old, 10, 11 years old, and so I'm 11 years old when the when the Devils won the Stanley Cup in 2000, and so just stuff like that kind of all snowballed into this this kind of uh, organic love of the, of the sport, and then. Uh, it's uh, something that never kind of left after that. That's uh, yeah. My my experience was at least similar in the. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't street hockey, but it was floor hockey in a basketball gym um, at my school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also wanted to play goalie uh, for for the same reason of just uh, didn't want to be part of the chaos running around and everybody. You know, especially you get chopped in the leg so much when you're when you're playing that because yeah. it's all just kids swinging their sticks around and yeah, the goalie's the position to play if you're a uh, if you're a ball hockey enthusiast. Uh, did you did you know for a long time that you wanted to hockey to be like your job? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where I I kind of knew that I wanted to be a obviously I was. 
a kid who every kid at some point has the, I don't know, every kid, it's not every kid, but most kids who are into sports at some point, we all believe until some age that we are going to play sports forever and we're going to be pro athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure once I kind of, uh, once probably once I realized that wasn't going to happen, um, I always wanted to, I was big into, I was, every morning my dad and I would read the sports page, always uh, loved, loved reading sports books and everything like that, and so kind of ever since I was, ever since I was younger, it was, as a kid, it was, if I can't play sports forever, it would be nice to write about them and be around them, and just hockey was always the, hockey was always my favorite sport, and always wanted to be a hockey writer, it's something that, uh, it wasn't the, like, as I got a little bit older, it wasn't the tried and true, locked in stone, I want to cover the NHL someday. I enjoyed covering college football. I enjoyed doing it. I covered, um, I enjoyed covering some other things in college as well. But I always came back to this is what I enjoy doing most. I love the sport I like most. I love, I love writing about it. And that's kind of, uh, it kind of always stayed on that path. And even if all there was a couple of random times it strayed, I laugh because there's a, I think it was when I was in high school at one point, I took like the like computer-aided design class or something like that, uh-huh. and and it's a very, uh, very George Costanza has said, oh, I could be an architect, <laughs> and and I couldn't even make it through, like, like, I did the class, got through the class and everything like that, but the amount of math involved in, in set and drawing those things was like, no, this is no, this isn't fun for me. So, um, really, ever since kind of high school, I was working for the school paper then, and everything like that. It was okay. I'd like to write for a living. I'd like to do this, and hockey just always ended up being the subject that I kept coming back to, both intentionally and unintentionally. And you wind up in Dallas. Is there is there a similarity uh, between Dallas and growing up in New Jersey, just as far as? I know it's not the case with the Jersey papers, but that mm-hmm. you know the Devils, at least in the in the metro area, are often the overlooked team, and and the Stars, I would think, are you know pretty much. I mean, it's Cowboys first, everything else after that. But the Rangers and Mavericks, yeah, have, you know, and even though the Stars have won a championship, a Stanley Cup, um, you know, still don't have the same attention paid to them. Um, is that is there similarity beyond that, or is it a a, a different uh, different universe entirely? No, it, it's pretty spot on there. It's a Cowboys town, first, second, and third. Like it really is, and it's and it's one of those things where it's not even if the Cowboys are good or bad, whether it matters. If it's the Cowboys are good, people are on board. If Cowboys are bad. It's one of the most. Either way, the Cowboys are the most talked talked and covered team. In, in this market um, you have after that it's probably got a bit of just because of the nature of the seasons the Rangers probably the second most followed team mm-hmm. just by just because of the nature of the seasons but um, there are times and opportunities where the stars or the Mavericks can be that second most popular team and that like that was the case in the nine, like when the stars came to Dallas in '93, and then they won the cup in '99. That seven, eight-year window, that was that was a time the stars did take that opportunity and, and kind of 
and kind of were that second team. Um, they were good. They were winning. Obviously, they weren't the Cowboys, but they were still winning, and they were good, and they were getting kind of that attention. Um, then, obviously, they had their kind of real fall off the wagon and, and everything like that. And on top of that, kind of coincided with the Mavericks and Dirk Nowitzki winning an NBA championship. So they kind of – so they're at the point right now where they are still they're, – they're definitely – Fourth on the landscape right now, and it doesn't help too that the the team that they would kind of be competing for the third is just has one of the most interesting and entertaining young players in the NBA right now, and and in the Mavericks with Luka Doncic, it's kind of an interesting setup. Just and that's kind of also goes into the nature of the sport. The stars have Miro Heiskanen, the Mavericks have Luka, have Luka Doncic, and just the impact a young player can have in one game we know in basketball is actually much greater and the way they're yeah. star powered and marketed and everything like that. So, um, but it's, I will say this, I will say when the stars are doing well and they're winning and they're, this is a sports town that attaches onto a winner and they attach onto events, which I think we kind of saw a lot of that with the winter classic where the winter classic, whether the stars were, were good or bad, I think, you don't get 86,000 people there, um, 86,000 people there without at least probably twenty to 30,000 people there who are probably at their first ever hockey game. Or, or maybe not first ever, but are 20 to that who are, who are very peripheral Dallas sports fans who don't pay that much attention but say, you know what, this is the type of event I think is really interesting, the curiosity gets me. So I think that that's what the Dallas sports market is. is it's Cowboys first, second it's what is interesting, what is winning, what is that curiosity, and then the natural kind of team pecking order falls into play of probably the Rangers after that, and then Mavericks and Stars. I'm curious about whether the Winter Classic can have an effect of, of making people into lifelong hockey fans, because it's it's more of an experience than it is, you know, everybody always says, like, and, and I think it's true that, like, you know, if if you don't like hockey, go to a game. But yeah. this, the the Winter Classic is not like that. I mean, the Winter Classic Correct. is a thing unto itself, and I'm I wonder if it has that desired effect or if it is just a one off. I I don't know, and I guess uh, time will tell on that. But I'm also interested by uh, something that you wrote about, which is Texas and Texas A and M sending their club yeah. teams to go play in the Cotton Bowl on that ice. Yeah, it's now it's uh, before we get to Texas Texas A and M real quick, just with the. Uh, Dallas, it is a hockey market now. They've grown. There's enough rinks. Like it's a hockey market that there's a hockey community. I put it, I'll put it that way. Like there's, oh. the Stars have done a really good job. The one thing the Stars. My college roommate was a, was a hockey player from Dallas. So yeah, yeah, oh, perfect example. Yeah, one of the one of the things Dallas did when they came here was they started building local rinks, and I think that's really the reason the Stars didn't go the way of the let's say the Atlanta Thrashers or something like that. They came to a to a big city, a big sports market, and found a way to make, to, to kind of grow it on the grassroots level. There's a lot of people I talk to now who are hockey fans or Stars fans who, depending on their age, they either are Stars fans because they were young in 93 when the team came or maybe in the Stanley Cup years with it. And so I do think the Winter Classic has that grabbing ability kind of hockey fan dallas stars fan ability to for us in 
in 10 years, 10, 12 years from now to talk to someone and says, who's a hockey fan. And they say, Oh, well, why'd you become a fan? And someone will say, Oh, I was, a, I was 12 years old when the winter classic was here. And I saw 86,000 people at the cotton bowl, or maybe someone who's not even a kid right now. Maybe someone who's 21, 22, an adult who kind of was roped in by that. And so I do think the, the winter classic has that type of kind of op- watershed moment to grab new fans and bring them in and kind of get them into the door. Um, as far as the kind of growing the sport in, in the state, it's I think it's, it's a cool thing that they're doing. They're having the uh, University of Texas and Texas A&M club teams are playing each other in a, in a playing, playing each other on Sunday there. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a club hockey game. It's a club hockey game and it's at a, it's what the level it is. But I think it's, it's, it's kind of cool that they're grown that they're doing that a because it's kind of allowing it's even giving club hockey teams the time of day is is uh is something i give the stars credit for and letting them take the ice and stuff like that but i think if hockey is really going to keep growing here and everything like that i think either one of two things needs to happen in in the state i think you either need to see another pro team um, like the like, say Houston was to get an NHL team. I think that would be great for the growth of the sport in the state. And the other thing that I think would be really good for the growth of the sport in the state is we see what's happened at Arizona State, where they they've embraced hockey as a Division One program there. And whether it was the University of Texas or Texas A&M or wh- whatever, they these are the type of programs. They have the type of programs where they could help grow this sport. Um, on a level that an NHL team can only do so much of it. I think if you had, just say, if the University of Texas ever had a Division One team, you'd have people who would kind of get all caught up in that college hockey experience who were from all over the state and then came to Austin and did that. I think that would be really cool for the sporter, whether it was at Texas A&M or whatever. So um, I think these are the type of all kind of strings, the Winter Classic, giving some more credence to the club teams of these two pro of, of A&M and Texas, um, showing that you can get this many people to buy into this event. Um, I think these are all kinds of strings that if the sport continues to grow in Texas, these are the types of strings that we'll see were pulled on further. Does that make sense? It does. It <laughs> does. John, uh, this has been so much fun and, and just thank you for coming back on the show. I, I anticipated talking more about the Winter Classic, but you know, news happens, and I'm glad that yeah. you know, we had good timing to actually talk about it. So, uh, thank you again so much for coming back on the show. It was, it was great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Right, Sean Shapiro from the Athletic in Dallas. Be sure you sign up uh, over there and and read all of his stuff and everybody else that they got over there too. A lot of guests on this show uh, seem to come from there, so that's a that's a good thing. Um, I'm Jesse Spector. That's it for this episode of Jesse Spector Is on Lightning Power Play. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.